Vanelli is ready. One and two, slow roller, it's through! Jason Gonzalez will win it in the bottom of the 12th, and what a night for the nine-hole hitter! Welcome into an emergency instant reaction podcast here. I am Justin Hershey, sports editor of the Vanderbilt Hustler. I'm joined by Bryce Smith, our new deputy sports editor. And Bryce and I just had to jump on today to give some instant thoughts after yesterday's huge win for the Vandy boys. Um, Tim Corbin's squad pulled it out 7-6 from Omaha in their first game. Um, it was a dramatic game. It was another five-hour game. I have covered far too many five-hour baseball games in the last two weeks from uh, the comfort of my home as the College World Series told media um, they should not travel to Omaha, recommended not traveling. So we're not in person, but there's still plenty to talk about uh, from a distance, a lot of storylines, um, big hit from Jason Gonzalez there in the 12th inning to give Vanderbilt the win. Um, but this was, this was a battle, and Bryce and I were texting a little bit about it last night, it really always felt like the like the the Commodores were going to pull this game out. I think for a while now, this team has shown that they just have kind of that it factor. They really just figure out how to win. And although they blew that game in the ninth inning, although they blew a game against Georgia Tech in the ninth inning earlier in the NCAA tournament, they pulled both those games out. Um, and they've just shown a knack to squeak through in these in these tough games. Right. I think you hit the nail exactly on the head, Justin. And we talked about it and, and like, let's just go through it in the postseason, the last couple of games. And even, I think it kind of uh, started for this team. You think about that Tennessee um, series and, and those kind of clutch back and forth games. Um, but in the postseason, obviously starting with the SEC tournament, Dom Keegan hits that huge um, single to lift Vanderbilt through the first game of the SEC tournament. Um, you think about Isaiah Thomas in that 11-inning wild game, another game that went four or five hours, like you were mentioning. Um, and then kind of both games against East Carolina in the Super Regional, um, whether it be Javi Voss making a, a huge play in the outfield or, or Enrique, Enrique Bradfield in game two, kind of uh, adding that insurance run and getting um, really Vanderbilt in a good position to win the game. And then last night, um, Gonzalez obviously – has a great night kind of out of nowhere um, and three RBIs. And I think a, it, it shows that this team, like you said, kind of has that it and, and it comes from a variety of different places and B it's another Testament to Corbin because Gonzalez is someone who maybe necessarily didn't have as long of a leash with um, a lot of the fans. He hasn't necessarily been producing up to his standards throughout the entire year, but Corbin just kind of stuck with him, stuck with him in that nine hole um, and he really produces yesterday. And now it's the type of thing where Vanderbilt's offense is that much more dangerous. And, and even a guy like Carter Young, who I didn't mention, um, seems to kind of be, you know, I don't want to say after one game, but, you know, he's looked last night as good as he has since pre-injury. Um, you think about adding him to the lineup, you know, hopefully fully healthy, like I said. And, and then if Gonzalez can get going, this one through nine just becomes that much scarier. I think that's kind of um, – honestly a Corbin special and, and we'll get into that a little bit more but you know that's kind of my thoughts on on everything from a from a larger view last night yeah absolutely I think we'll get into Jason Gonzalez obviously he had a great game he had the winning hit but I think you bring up some interesting points because throughout the the postseason SEC tournament and NCAA tournament it's not like Vanderbilt's dominating anyone they're 
besides that Presbyterian game that they won 10 nothing, they have a win margin of 10 runs in five games, which is basically two runs per game. So there are quite a handful of uh, three-run victories and, uh, and one-run victories. And although this lineup has been rather inconsistent, I mean, I, I think only five guys in the lineup are now hitting over 300 compared to Arizona, who had eight guys hitting over 300 in their lineup. Right. And when you have that, it's a little scary. It scares you on paper, but they get, they've gotten timely hits and this team all season has left the runners on base, but they've come up with clutch hits throughout the order, different guys the last um, two, three weeks. And it's, and it's been huge. I want to break this game down a little bit um, start to finish. So we can obviously get to Gonzalez a little later, but I want to start with Kumar rocker because he kind of got rocked in that first inning. And I think Dom Keegan kind of kicking a ball, a line drive. It was a hard hit ball, but it, you know, it was probably playable. Um, that really got the game off to a sour start. And I thought Kumar struggled in that first inning. Um, Tim Corbin talked about it afterwards. I think um, he said Rocker started landing the breaking ball after the, after that first inning, but for a while in that first, he was not attacking hitters. He threw 36 pitches um, and Arizona jumped on him. And I think it says a lot about how he was able to bounce back. He came back, three straight one, two, three innings. Arizona did get the best of him in that sixth inning. Um, but I thought Kumar early was shaky, but he really showed you how he could bounce back. And, and that was huge and set the tone for the rest of the game and really kept the Commodores in it when that could have been a five, six run first inning. Right. And, and you mentioned it. And I think that it really is um, good on Kumar for kind of keeping his head up because obviously it wasn't easy play for, for Dom Keegan at first, but you start off the game with an error um, and, and their leadoff hitter reaches base and then a double. And then it's kind of like, okay, we're two batters in. And, and you know, as a pitcher, you're kind of, you're kind of shook at that moment. I mean, there's two guys on you, you've thrown, I don't remember what it was, something like four or five pitches. And this is like you mentioned, a lineup that is really potent. Um, and I thought he did it honestly a pretty good job of handling the damage in that inning. And then like you said, bouncing back from there, which was absolutely huge. And then you go on um, and, and get really big performances from the bullpen, which I think both of us had kind of expected um, Maldonado and Murphy to, to perform well, but I think that they went even longer than I was really expecting them to go. I, I do think that they've kind of um, been leaned on as in between closers and long relievers just because of the shakiness of Vanderbilt's bullpen. But then you get, um, same type thing from McIlvain, you know, at the end of the game where he gives up a double on camera for the first pitch, but obviously the first batter and works his way back. Um, a lot of credit to, to the whole staff for kind of keeping their mental composure, like Maldonado and Murphy coming in and maybe not necessarily going um, for as short as they usually do, but still getting the job done. You know, McIlvain, as I just mentioned, and then, and then like you're saying, like Rocker really um, not letting that first inning get to him because really from the first pitch they kind of jumped on him and, and we've seen um, unfortunately in a couple of games that that, that happened like I, I talked about in my article last week that Georgia game when it was 14 to 2 um, that, that Rocker lost at Hawkins Field it's like if if they're swinging well and they, and they jump out to an early you know three nothing lead it could snowball from there and I think Vanderbilt did a great job um, of keeping it within reach and and letting the offense do their thing and, and like you said we'll get to Gonzalez and kind of his help and all that, but it, it really made the game seem manageable and works well into our other point of like 
Vanderbilt never really seemed out of it. And this team never really does seem out of it. And I think that that's just, um, you know, a really good trait that they've kind of developed as the season's gone along. Yeah, hundred percent. I think the bullpen deserves a ton of credit. I mean, Arizona is coming into the na- into this game, probably the best hitting team in the nation. I mean, they lead the country right. hits with over 720 and they lead that by like 60 hits over the next team. Eight out of nine of their guys hit over 300 and Vanderbilt held them to nine of 46 at the plate over that 12 inning game. So that's really impressive. Mm-hmm. Like you talked about, we did a Q&A last week um, and talked about Maldonado and Murphy as those go-to guys. And they're going to continue to be those go-to guys. But neither of those guys had any College World Series experience, right? So they're stepping out there in Omaha for the first time. um, And I thought they looked really poised. I thought they stepped into very difficult situations in a tight ball game against a really good hitting team. Um, Corbin called the murderer's row. They're the two, three, four hole hitters for Arizona. And they looked really comfortable out there. That's a good word, comfortable, I think. And, and not to forget, this was a team coming off a 16-3 win over Ole Miss and a, and a 9-3 win um, in game one of their Super Regional. Like, not only was this a really good offense, like you mentioned, um, it's also an offense that was coming in hot, which at this point in the season, kind of everyone is. But it's important to mention about, you know, Arizona was playing with confidence. And you saw in that lineup, especially, you know, from the first inning on. So I think you mentioning that, that Murphy and Maldonado were able to shut that down so easily isn't something that we should just, you know, understate. Sure. Can't take that for granted considering the, the experience or lack thereof that these guys actually have. And I thought I was, you know, I thought Chris McElvain was great. Also, he stepped in, gave up a double and I was immediately concerned. Cause I think the last couple of weeks, he's not been the guy he was early in the year. I think you've seen Corbin turn elsewhere for some of his innings um, and we even got into some conversations on Twitter and in our comments about whether he was the actual third guy. And after that right. double, I felt pretty confident that my decision to not put him as the third guy was actually right. Um, but he proved me wrong. Um, thanks. I mean, thanks to really solid pitching and, and a lot of emotion. I thought he pitched um, with some heart and really, you know, mm-hmm. worked through that inning against some tough hitters. Yeah, I really did. And I think, Thankfully for us, we were kind of wrong on that and not putting him as the third reliever that Vanderbilt can rely on because, like you said, um, Maldonado and Murphy came in and looked comfortable and McIlvain kind of picked up right where they left off and came in with a little bit of juice in a game that was going really long. And um, a lot of the starters had been in. I mean, I felt like Carter Young's home run in the seventh inning was about, I mean, I don't know the exact time, but it felt like it was about two and a half hours before, you know, we got to that point in the game when, when McElvain was coming in and those guys that are in the, in the starting lineup, you know, they're playing the whole game. Um, and then, you know, I kind of mentioned it last week um, and in some tweets and in our articles about Javi Voss really doing a good job of adding energy um, to this group and, and McElvain did the same thing. And that's huge. I mean, you need that when you get in these, you know, grinds of games in Omaha, especially because, you know, it's not over yet. And I think, um, yeah, big props to McIlvain. Um, he, he did a really good job. And like I said, I'm, I'm thankful that we kind of uh, missed him on that one. And he proved us wrong. Absolutely. And the, the importance of this first game can't go understated. I think 35 of the last 39 World College World Series champs have, have won their first game in Omaha. And I think that that's, uh, you know, indicative of what you have to do to win this tournament. And Jason Gonzalez helped them do that. And I thought, they really manufactured that run. I mean, 
for a mm -hmm. couple innings there, they were within striking distance, not with a bunch of power or, or doubles or anything like that, but with some small ball, Javi Vaz advanced a couple times. They even had bases loaded one out for Dom Keegan at one point. Um, and, and he didn't capitalize on that. But again, that it factor, um, the Commodores just stuck with it and set Jason Gonzalez up um, for an, an easy single with the infield in and he, and he knocked it up the middle. Right. And I think that we kind of texted about it a little bit, but it's, you know, almost a, a vintage Corbin kind of offense right now where you think about 2019 just felt like a machine one through nine. And there was always going to be a guy that was getting on, if not getting extra base hits, you know, anywhere in that lineup. Whereas this team, it's, it's a little bit more, I mean, you think about Parker Nolan's bunt um, after, you know, we Bradfielder uh, had gotten on. Um, or I can't remember exactly who it was, you know, it's a, a long game, like we mentioned, um, but just kind of manufacturing that, that, oh, it was, it was boss on, on the fielding air. Um, that's, that's my bad, but yeah, just making sure that they both times were putting pressure on the defense. I think I saw a quote from, uh, you know, the Arizona coach after the game is that that's kind of what felt like the difference. And like, we're saying, you know, a little bit of that it factor was Arizona, you know, as good as they were, I felt like they needed, they needed a, a home run to win it versus Vanderbilt. Um, you know, it was definitely putting pressure on each inning and it kind of felt like their game to lose in those extras, even though obviously it can swing on any moment. Um, so I think that that was just, you know, really great to see from the Corbin team. And I, and I have one thing to swing back to you is, you know, obviously Gonzalez kind of muscled that ball up the middle. Um, but I was wondering at the time, you know, Arizona, obviously playing infield in there was one out bases loaded. I hate to say it, but if Arizona's playing double play depth, that's probably a double play. I'm not really sure why they didn't just have corners in obviously 2020 in retrospect, but what were you kind of thinking? Cause I was a little bit puzzled um, that that wasn't the decision for them. Cause it wasn't exactly, you know, it wasn't exactly like your um, climactic, you know, walk off when it was kind of a, a, a pushed ball up the middle. So a hundred percent, I'm right with you because the reason you play infield in is, you know, to get a ground ball and throw it home. But with Jason Gonzalez at the plate, who's not a fantastic runner, you got to think on a, on a soft ground ball, he gets double played. And so I was a right. bit surprised by that. And I think I have to hope that Gonzalez was up there trying to drive the ball up. Um, because if you put it in the outfield, I mean, uh, Isaiah Thomas is likely scoring from third. Um, so <laughs> it's a scary thought, but I, I'm right there with you. I think, I think that, that that's fair. Um, but let's move on and, and talk about this next game coming up because NC, NC State's coming in hot as anything. Um, they're 20 and five in their last 25 games. They're averaging over seven runs a game in this tournament. Uh, they just beat down Stanford um, 10 to four in a game that, they almost let Stanford creep back into, um, but they, they finished them off. Um, an interesting stat I, I found, seven of the last 10 NCAA tournament finals have had a non-regional host, and NC State was not a regional host. And I think they come in as dangerous as anyone, uh, led by Johnny Butler, um, who's just incredible. He's hitting 377, which led the ACC, had three hits yesterday, five RBIs, and they've got six guys with over 10 homers. Right. I mean, you think about um, non-regional hosts, like you mentioned, Michigan in 2019 and sort of the Cinderella story that kind of picks up momentum as it goes. 
Uh, I think the scariest thing about NC State right now is that they've shown uh, multiple ways to win, like you mentioned with the offense. I mean, they kind of ran through their regional, um, scored eight run, eight to one win, eight to three win, eight to three win, and then a fourteen to seven win. And then they get to Fayetteville for the first game in that super regional, and they get smacked in the mouth, twenty-one to two. So I think there's obviously a bit of resiliency from from this group, given that they're able to come back to that. And then next two, um, it's a six-five win and a three-two win, and those games were as tense as any college baseball game this season, with kind of the Arkansas crowd, um, you know, a lot of nervous energy, you know, in Fayetteville as they were kind of blowing those leads. Um, but I think that. Then they get to the College World Series 10-4. Like you mentioned, this is a team that is definitely uh, got a lot of ways to win. They've got a lot of good talent. It reminds me a little bit of Michigan that way and that they're kind of slept on, um, not necessarily in the in the front of everyone's minds when you think about the contenders, but not a team that I think is going to out-talent Vanderbilt necessarily as much uh, good hitting as they have, as you kind of mentioned. It's someone that they should probably take care of if they play their best game. Nonetheless, a really scary opponent, especially in this format, when you're kind of going to get them for one game. And like you said, they're they're on a really good streak right now. Um, but I mean, and we're going to talk about it. it, it it's all going to come down to the lighter in game two. Yeah, it is. And look, all year, it's been the same story. It's can Vanderbilt hitting keep up with its pitching? And that's right. the same story here. It was the story for Arizona. And it's the story here. Vanderbilt's 37 and five when they score five or more runs this season. And so they're hardly beatable if they do that. Um, and that's basically the key, right? So this NC state staff has a staff ERA of 5.1, which I think was 10th in the ACC. So it's not like it's a talented staff. Their ace Reed Johnston just pitched uh, yesterday. So he won't be eligible. Uh, their closer, Evan justice, who's a go-to reliever for them also pitched. Uh, I threw, I think he threw about 40 pitches. So unsure whether he's going to be eligible, but this is a team that Vanderbilt should be able to hit. Um, but I agree that it's going to come down to lighter and you can check out our web website for my column on how important this game is for, for Jack and his legacy. What are you expecting from him? It's his first college world series start. Like he's done it at every level so far, but this isn't something he's seen before. Right. I think it's kind of, um, almost the perfect situation for Vanderbilt because as great as Kumar has been, there have been times in, in first innings um, and, you know, throughout the year when he can get hit on, I feel a little bit better about Jack's floor, if that makes sense. Um, I feel like other than that little bumpy stretch, uh, namely against Florida in the middle of the season, when he kind of wore out um, more or less like, Jack's going to be pretty good and the most important thing for me is that he keeps the pitch count down because the one worrying part of this is that the bullpen as good as it was um, against Arizona definitely like I mentioned kind of went long on what is pretty much your three best arms Um, but lighter threw 94 pitches in seven innings last time out against East Carolina which is not bad and really he could have gone eight you know he was pitching really, really well and efficient against them. And I think that's going to be the most important thing. And the thing about it is that if he's pitching like that and he's locked in, like NC State's going to have a really tough time winning this game um, because it does match up well for Vanderbilt. It it reminds me a little bit of um, Georgia Tech, who they faced in the regional twice in that this is a team that 
obviously they have offense and they got, they've got a lot of hitters um, that can do things within the lineup, but Vanderbilt, if lighters on, like that might not be that much of a concern. And if they can push a couple runs across offensively, like you mentioned, um, it's not necessarily an opponent that necessarily gives uh, Vanderbilt issues like an old Miss did um, in terms of matchup. Right. I think that's true. I think the biggest key to this, to this game is going to be those first three innings. I think Vanderbilt has consistently found themselves in battles in those first couple innings, um, high pitch counts for their pitchers. I want to see lighter get through a clean two or three innings. And Mm -hmm. I think the way he can do that is by really being aggressive. I thought it was interesting yesterday um, Scott Brown came out to the mound in that first inning, and I thought Kumar Rocker just flipped a switch all of a sudden. And I don't know if there was some sort of game plan switch that they made, but Tim Corbin did also talk about it after he said he thought Rocker was more attacking after that first inning. And I completely agree. I think the slider got down in the zone. I thought his fastball was located better. Um, and I want to see Leiter come out aggressive and attacking this lineup. Don't be scared, even though this is one of you know, a really, this is one of the best hitting teams in the country right now. I don't want to see him come out and try to be cute. Like I think rocker and the staff did yesterday. And so I think those first few innings are going to be crucial um, because it's going to determine how long he can go and who knows if Maldonado and Murphy are going to be uh, able to pitch on Monday, um, both through high forties. So, you know, that's, that's a big concern. Yeah, exactly. And I think that the key to that attacking um, four lighter is going to be getting that breaking ball for strikes early on. Once he does that, um, you know, the fastball becomes really hard to hit. I think those two things kind of work two and two. And he mentioned last time out against East Carolina, his change up was kind of feeling uh, as good as it has all season. So if he's able to right from the get go um, kind of put that curveball in the zone for strikes, then the fastball just becomes that much more potent. And I think um, he was able to do that well against East Carolina. And I, you make a really good point. If he can, if he can do that early on first, second inning and, and sort of lock in, I think that's when he becomes really scary too, is if, if you're not hitting him through three, you're probably not hitting him through seven. You know, you might get, you might get one or two, but when he locks in um, and like you kind of talked about and has that, that poise on the mound um, with, with the glove over the face, I think that that's a, that's a really scary you know, opportunity for, for Vanderbilt to, to kind of shut the door um, on, on the NC state offense that has been really hot. Um, And I think that's kind of where the most important, not necessarily X factor, but most important uh, individual matchup will be decided, you know, in this game. Yeah, I agree. I think, so I looked back at 2019 because I think the bullpen progression could look similar. And so Mm -hmm. in 2019, in the second game, um, obviously that was Rocker's start against Mississippi State. Uh, Corbin brought in Patrick Raby to do uh, the setup, the setting up for Tyler Brown late in that game. And I think we could see something similar, depending on who of Maldonado and Murphy is able to pitch. I have to think one of them will be able to pitch, uh, but their pitch counts were so similar that maybe both, of, maybe it'll be a both or nothing situation. Um, but either way, I think one of those guys or McIlvain closes this game out. Um, and I think, I don't know, maybe Patrick Riley takes that, that Patrick Raby spot and pitches that setup right. role. Um, I think we talked about Hugh Fisher a little bit in our, in our Q and I think he's a guy 
who could be brought in situationally. Um, Riley did warm up yesterday um, in the pen. So who do you like in that potential setup role barring Maldonado and Murphy's availability? No, I think I'm exactly with you. And I thought it was uh, pretty interesting yesterday that Riley came in um, seemingly in the event that this game was going to go 14, 15, 16 innings. That's kind of how I felt about it. You know, Riley's going to be a guy um, that's going to get you innings. And in the case that, you know, maybe Jack's pitch count gets a little higher. I think he's probably the one that I would trust to, to be a bridge between um, lighter and hopefully McIlvain, or like you said, one of Murphy and Maldonado at the end of the game, but you're not going to have all three of them again. And hopefully, you know, you use a guy like Riley so that Maldonado and Murphy maybe don't even have to go and, and are fresh for that game three um, which will be obviously crucial um, either if they win or they lose. I think Riley's probably that guy. We talked about wanting Christian Little to be the starter for game three. Yeah. So I think I would preserve him. Um, Schultz, I talked about a little bit, but Riley just has more experience both in the regular season and also in the postseason pitching a little bit bigger innings, I would say, for Vanderbilt, although Schultz has been here for two years. Um, so I'm, I'm completely there with you. We'll see. Hopefully, like we mentioned, it, it doesn't have to be too much of a bullpen game. And if it's not, that's a good thing. Um, but I think Riley is going to be that guy to, to sort of be a bridge if need be for Corbin. Yep. I'm with you. It's going to be a big one for lighter, um, huge one for the Commodores, obviously Stanford and Arizona are going to match up in the afternoon game on Monday. Um, to see who's eliminated up out of this top half of the bracket in any event bryce and i will be back this week to give you guys another instant recap podcast to talk about jack lighter start on monday vanderbilt against the wolf pack on monday thank you for listening to the hustler sports 30 podcast and we'll see you later this week